0: Today on the Women Mind the Water, Artivist series on womenmindthewater.com, I'm speaking with Sarah Kam- Cameron Sunda, an interdisciplinary environmental artist who makes site-specific works. Today, Women Mind the Water will focus on Sarah's work in, on, and with bodies of water. She received a prestigious Guggenheim Fellowship to complete her ongoing thir- series, 36.5, a durational performance with the sea. This work has been performed in places as far-flung as New Zealand, Kenya, and New York City. Sarah's intention is to break down barriers between humans and what she refers to as the more-than-human world. The Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast on womenmindthewater.com engages artists in conversation about their work and explores the connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. Today on the Women Mind the Water Artifice series on womenmindthewater.com, I am pleased to introduce Sarah Cameron Sunda, an interdisciplinary environmental artist who has shared her work with audiences across the globe. Today, we will focus on what that first took root, the Sarah watched the tide go in and out. She wondered what it would be like if her body, like the shore, was swallowed and then re-emerged with the tide. Sarah created nine performances on six continents since she began 36.5, a durational performance with the sea. Welcome, Sarah. I am impressed by your vision, commitment, and artistry. In addition to understanding your artistic journey, I'd like to explore how an act, like standing in water, can be so impactful. Your title performances speak to the vulnerability of the natural world and the relentlessness of time. Tell us about your early years.
1: Well, I grew up in the Bay Area in California. And um, as a kid, I was mostly involved in music and theater. Um, I started singing at a very young age and... um, really loved that. And then, and I think I went to a really creative school, an alternative elementary school that really just encouraged us to find alternate ways of study. Um, So I did, I think that had a big influence on um, me growing up and the way that I think about things.
0: So has water always played a seminal role in your relationship with the world?
1: It was really when Hurricane Sandy hit that I understood how much I needed to work with water or that that became such an important part of my practice.
0: So as an artist based in New York City, I wonder how much connection you think city dwellers have with water. For example, a while back, I interviewed Taji Riley and Sam De Los Santos for the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. When they were in high school, these two young women from the Bronx participated in the rocking the boat after school program. Haji and Sam said they had little awareness of the Bronx River or the natural world that was on the river's banks until they were involved in the rocking the boat program. Would you say this lack of awareness of the city's waterways is probably the norm for New York City dwellers?
1: Yes, absolutely. I love Rocking the Boat, by the way. That those that, that organization is amazing. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I think that's sort of what happened to me when Hurricane Sandy hit. I started to understand that we as New Yorkers were so disconnected from the water that we had no idea you know, this was, this was coming and that we were so vulnerable. Um, I had heard before, you know, people had told me about how vulnerable we were as a city being so close with the sea level rise in some places, or this, sorry, the sea level in some places just being sort of right where at the, at the land, the land and the water are about the same. And, and, and but i didn't quite understand what that means or how that could impact us or maybe intellectually i understood that we were vulnerable for sea level rise in a long term future but then when sandy happened i i got it you know this idea that we could lose our city in overnight became very real to me that there was a, or that there, I guess there's both things, right? That there's the vulnerability of extreme weather events that can really wipe out so much infrastructure, really flood, kill people, flood homes. We Hurricane Sandy flooded 50 square miles of New York City. And that can happen overnight and that will happen more and more with the climate crisis and then also what that means for the long term of a world with sea level rise and how those numbers are getting more and more dire what are we going to do you know that this so this idea that new york could disappear in my lifetime or that we might have to abandon the city um, in my lifetime became very real for me, and I understood that part of the problem was that we just weren't paying attention to the water, you know, as New Yorkers, we are surrounded by water, but we really just don't even realize it um so that yes, exactly what you said there i full fully agree, and also another interesting thing as I've done this project um you know, I've realized that most people in New York, really smart people, do not know how long a tidal cycle is. That it's it's not part of aware the awareness right. of most people.
0: I grew up in New York, and you know that you know the tide goes in and out, but you don't really get it until you like move to Maine, like I do. And the the tide mm-hmm. shift twelve feet, and yeah. if you go yeah. a little farther north to the Bay of Fundy, it can shift forty or fifty feet. So, you really get an idea. Yeah. So, it it might be helpful here if you describe your 36.5, a durational performance with the C. But before you describe that, what is the significance of the number 36.5?
1: the performances began on the day that I turned 36 and a half. So uh-huh. that was a, it's a very personal reason that it's titled 36.5, but it, the number is I like it because the number is ambiguous enough that people, um, it, it kind of relates to 365 days of the year. It also relates to body temperature and Celsius normal. It's just below body temperature, normal body temperature and Celsius. And so and it it's a, so I, f- I find it an evocative number, um, you know, I know it's sort of challenging, but it was something that really uh, came to me as soon as I understood that this is what I was going to do. Um, and so it's something that I've stuck with. And then I was up in Maine and I realized that the tides could be a metaphor for environmental change. And so one day, um it was on a Monday that I was was watching this rock slowly get covered by the water, being enveloped by the water, and then um and then slowly receding. And I realized that how interesting or I thought this would be an in- incredible performance has I think I need to do this. Um this is I'm telling you probably too much of the story, <laughs> the origin story. But basically <laughs> the project is I I walked out there in Maine. I it it began. I walked out there at, at low tide. I let the water rise up to my chin. And then I went back down again over the course of 12 hours and 48 minutes. And um and that began a series because as I was out there in the water, I started to really understand how connected we all are through the water you know we we understand intellectually that we are the water connects every single being on this planet but i felt it in my body in a really different way than i had ever felt before and so i made this promise to myself as i was out there that if i If I made it through the 12 hours and 48 minutes that I would have to figure out how to connect with people on the other side of the planet and make the work in collaboration with them, that it would be a series and I would have to go around the world and and create this performance with them because if i'm this little artist in new york who doesn't who is realizing that we need to rejigger our relationship with water what is somebody in bangladesh or in kenya or you know anywhere around the world who is facing some of these climate challenges what are they thinking and feeling about what's happening right now and I, so well, that's how it, that's how it all grew
0: well, Sarah, the Gulf of Maine, mm-hmm. even in the summertime, is cold. I mean, water temperatures in the Gulf yeah. of Maine are about 30 degrees or more colder <laughs> than our body temperature. So yeah. what did you do to prepare yourself for being exposed to cold water for that extended a period?
1: Well, that first time I was really ignorant. I <laughs> I did not. I was not prepared. Um I wore a friend's wetsuit that was ill-fitting and um and we and I looked up, you know, ways of resisting hypothermia. <laughs> and so and there were some little tactics that we used, but um yeah, it was cold and it was painful. It was the struggle of it that was so profound for me, um you know, recognizing how this one struggle over a course of one day could the implications of that and what it meant to actually you know put my body in that place of survival of trying to survive um physically you know it's there's a long history of performance art that um that deals with you know, pain and challenge in that way. And I've never had, I'd never had the impulse to do that before. That's not usually my interest, it's causing pain, putting pain on myself. But there was something that metaphorically it felt so right to, um, you know, because of what it could say in relationship to the climate crisis, in relationship to decentering our human experience. And listening to the water and, um, and really having another connection. I realized we hadn't been listening to the water.
0: I think I'd wonder if there were any sharks nearby or how much longer I had left to stand there. What did you think during that time?
1: Each time I've done it, I've done so I've done the performance nine times. I should, I was gonna go back and say a very brief description of the project because you asked me this earlier to describe it, and I didn't do a very good job because I started with on the origin story. But um, you know, 36.5, a durational performance with the sea is a series of nine site-specific performances and video artworks that have been made in collaboration with communities around the world where I have stood in bodies of water for a full tidal cycle. So I walk out at low tide, the water rises up to my chin, and then it goes back down again over the course of 12 to 13 hours. And um, each one, each work is a very different event based on who I meet and who um, ends up collaborating with me. And it's been this big, long, <laughs> important um important seminal work for me it's really changed my trajectory but to go back to your question about what I think about you know that first time it was really having it was because it was the the new the newness of it um I was just really taking it all in and each time it's been um a very much a process of trying to i sometimes work through my sensory experiences what am i seeing what am i feeling what am i hearing what am i tasting smelling and especially especially feeling like trying to feel the water on my body and sort of feel that shift and and really be in that present moment with it i'm also thinking about the past and the future, the ancient past, what how this trying to think in deep time, geologic time, what this spot, site specific spot where I am, what it has been, what it will be. Um, and then yeah, and all and take in all the all the influences. It's really amazing how there's actually You know, people have often asked me, do I get bored? And I say, no, because there's when you slow down and stand still um, and really focus on taking it in, there is so much to pay attention to. What was
0: the most difficult challenge that you've had to overcome in all of your site specific works?
1: Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Um, You know, there is, I think, in on one level, there's the challenge of the physical struggle of the day. On the other level, like when I think about the big picture of the project, it's really so much of it has been about the about the challenges have been about just getting it done. You know, um, I had this vision and that I needed to do this work make this work in collaboration with communities on in bodies of water off of all six continents and so just being patient and waiting for you know waiting for the right connection to come into play and then also letting go of certain things i think in some ways it was very challenging that covid put a pause on the last two performances um the challenges have all led to things that now are just so inherent in the the what the work is you know i learned in new york city the big theme became um in many ways it became about fear and people's fear of the water because um because of all the there's a deep fear of litigation and in New York city, you're not really supposed to walk into the water (laughs) um, because that's just the rule. And, but there's lots of people who are working to change that. And how do we, as artists and citizens, um, you know, make things that, that uh, allow us to question what's going on or how, how do we change, how do we change things here? You know? So what's next for you? These six, Durational video artworks because I filmed six of them in real time. The all the far the international works, Netherlands, Bangladesh, Brazil, Kenya, and Aotearoa, New Zealand, and then New York City. We filmed in real time, um, and turned that into durational video works that are the same length as the performance. So, my dream is to have an exhibition where all six. Durational Works can live together in the same space with big screens and have two channels each. So a big 12-channel circular installation is what I'm going for.
0: So what advice
1: do you have for listeners who want to make a difference?
0: How do you think they can engage best in the conversation?
1: I think it's really about listening and spending time with the water. And, um, you know, I in New York since hurricane sandy happened there's been so many more people and with the climate crisis happen, happening so many more artists are turning to water as site of a, a, or material a place to work a collaborator i i also co-founded in 2017 um a small nonprofit and triennial called Works on Water, um, with this idea that we had to gather as artists who were working on and with the water. It's time we need to kind of help each other and and get that out there. So, I know not everyone's an artist, but if you are an artist and you have any creativity, I encourage you to work with water. As um, in some ways, I I also think everybody. I think that we just need to spend more time paying attention and um, yeah, listening, seeing how I've, I've taken a, I've, I've been really inspired by my indigenous collaborators around the world who have taught me about reciprocity and gratitude and not taking anything for granted um, and asking permissions before doing something in relationship to the water. So I think learning about indigenous leaders who they are really leading the way in terms of how we rejigger our society um, to be more respectful of the water, the land, everything, the trees, all living species. So um, I say read read up. Support um, the indigenous leaders near you, learn about them and and take find your own way to connect with the water. That's the most important thing.
0: All very good advice. So Sarah, <laughs> thanks for being on the Women Mind the Water Art of this Series podcast. I expect listeners have gained a greater understanding of the work that goes into the creation of performative art. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Sarah Cameron Sunda, an interdisciplinary environmental artist who creates works that connect humans with the world they live in and explore the world's rapidly changing conditions. Sarah is the latest guest on the Women by the Water Art of the Series podcast. The series can be viewed at womenmindthewater.com, Museum on Main Street, and YouTube. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on womenmindthewater.com, on iTunes, and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.